can't believe it. 30 days are over. Tomorrow is the last day of the first month, 2021. And we are here, final Q&A of this month. Not the final Q&A, but the final Q&A of this month. Thank you for the questions. Tough questions are there. Sensitive questions are there. But we will try to... Theological questions are there. But we will try to go first, not... Um, spend more time not on the theology part which are more like academic but we will try to go on to those life questions which really matter to the hurting the young ones the new ones in the kingdom of God so before we start we'll just pray Father we just look to you Lord this evening you are the answer Lord you make hear answers from the best and the wisest in the world. But unless we receive you as the answer, mm. we'll never be content. Yes, Lord. We'll never be satisfied with any answer, Lord. Because you created us that way. You created us for yourself. Jesus, please, Lord. And outside of you, we will never be content, oh Lord. So I pray, Father, this evening, even as we answer these questions, your children will receive you. They will be content. Thank you, Father. Minister to those who are hurting, who are broken, who are lonely. Commit them all into thy hands. May your presence be there as real even now as in a service, Lord. Because this is also about you. Thank you, Lord. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Sound is okay, no? Yes, Pastor Vijay, we shall begin. <coughs> yes, Pastor, we'll have a question number two. It says, in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 20, if you can put that 34, up, please, 20. verse 20, am I correct to believe that God's law is writing only about domestic firstborn animals belonging to him? And why does the donkey need to be redeemed by a lamb? And no other animal. Uh, definitely, it is about domestic. You can't go hunting in the jungle to find every first one to break its neck. The lion will break your neck. So it's definitely <laughs> about the domestic animal. Okay, the firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. But if you will not redeem him, then you shall break his neck. And the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem. Okay, so... Uh, if you, if uh, it's writing about basically be domestic, and by the way, pigs are not included because they were never considered domestic mm. animal. Okay, mm. they were not even. So when it is talking about the domestic and here about the donkey, you need to realize the reason the donkey is brought over there is because of the scriptural symbolism of the donkey. The donkey is a stubborn animal. It's a stubborn animal. Mm. So the donkey's young one is not accepted because of its stubbornness. So it has to be redeemed by a lamb. The lamb is the young one of a sheep. Mm. So God considers his children as sheep and he himself has a shepherd. Mm -hmm. And the two pictures you see is the first two kings of Israel. Saul was a keeper of donkeys. And he also was a stubborn man. And ultimately his neck was ready, broken. David was a shepherd. And though he fell, he was a meek man. 
Okay, so his neck was never broken. So when you are talking about redemption, is always only by a lamb. Mm. Okay, it's the lamb that is given for redemption because Jesus is the lamb of God. But ultimately, the donkey represents the fallen man. Mm. The donkey represents the fallen man. Ishmael is called a donkey, by the way. Okay, he's called a donkey. Mm. He's wild called donkey of a, a wild donkey yeah, of a man. man. Basically, the donkey, unlike the horse or the mule, the donkey is a self-willed, stubborn, rebellious animal. Okay, it doesn't follow like the dome. the horse does or like the mule does. It has to be dragged. You mm. always see these pictures of the donkey <laughs> resisting, okay? But donkey, it's a picture of the fallen man, the stubborn, self-willed man. Mm. So that's why the firstborn of a donkey should not be brought into the house of God. Mm. Because you see, all the others are domestic. Mm. But God does not say, uh, you need to re break its neck. It's only this particular domestic one, which is the stubborn, rebellious one. He says, you should redeem it with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break his neck. Okay. So if you look at the picture, the other firstborns are all given to the temple, yes, right? Yes. So they can be used for the temple use or the priest's use it or else. But imagine in the temple, you have a, a person brings 10 firstborn of different animals which are used allowed under the law, and then one guy brings a donkey there. And the donkey is creating trouble among the animals, because that fellow will not go where he's told to go. He's dragging his feet. Okay? So in the same quarter, you will always see, like if it's in a family or in a church, all you need is one donkey there. And suddenly he stops the movements of okay, everybody. Everybody. Yes. everybody. He movements everybody. So that's the picture given over there, donkey. And the best picture is that Saul and David. Saul was a keeper of donkeys, and that nature got into him. David was a keeper of sheep, and that nature was there. So one was a donkey keeper, the other was a shepherd. I don't know what you call a donkey keeper. Okay. That's the reason why he also mm. says that you cannot yoke a bull. Can you hear Pastor Vijay's voice? Yeah, you cannot yeah. yoke the bull and the, bull and the, the donkey, donkey together. together. Because one, mm. if you discipline it, it goes faster. This fellow just gets more stubborn, stubborn even, if, yeah. even if you discipline the it. The bull and the donkey, it, it talks about you cannot yoke them together. Yes. All right, Pastor. Pastor's next questions are pr pretty uh, controversial, if I would. That's the... Yeah, but we have to, that's what Q&A is. Uh, so we deal with question controversies. Four, four onwards. Some of mm, the... Of yeah, we want some of yeah, those... Evangelists, such as okay. names given over here, mm -hmm. seems they are a part of the lodge or the circle, masonry. Mm -hmm. Couldn't believe that this person with his, with his repentance teachings being part of the lodge. How do we discern such preachers when it is not so evident? Okay, uh, this is coming out more and more and more and more in the open now. Now, the the thing is that don't jump and reach conclusions, this is from that or this one is from that, okay? Ultimately, we are not called to judge a person, but people we do not really know is not under our authority. We looked at their doctrine. If the doctrine agrees with the word of God, then we receive the teaching. Anyway, we are not going to meet most of these people. They don't have an effect over us other than through their teaching. Mm. Other than through their teaching. Then when it com comes to these people, 
you see, let me put it, because this is going to come up. I mean, in India, people are like stunned, but abroad they know it all because it's very, it has become, this has become main mainstream, line, mainstream yeah. now. This is how, I mean, I've said this over and over again, but this is how it is. You have natural diamonds. Hmm. You have artificial diamonds. Artificial diamonds are made in a lab kind of situation, imitating the other one. But it's done faster in a short term. So what happens is, what masonry does, it's very sophisticated now. What they do is primarily this. When a person, a victim of trauma, whatever trauma it has, death, whatever it can be, rape, abuse, whatever it is, one of the mechanisms God has given for the fallen person is to split. Mm. That's why we call, psychiatry calls it personality disorder. Yes, and PD. Okay. Multiple, personal. Multiple personality disorder. Okay, and it's been there from the beginning. It's been there from the beginning. That's okay. And that is how they process the trauma, how they process the trauma. So it was, it was a natural function, and they need to be taken through the healing process. And ever, but only the church can do that. The psychiatry cannot do that. They put them on drugs to calm them down. But imagine the same, yeah, it's vibrating. <coughs> but the same thing can be done in a lab situation. Hmm. In a lab situation. Okay, now we, we all see in those movies, and we know it is true, we hear about moles, M-O-L-E, it's embedded in the system. A Chinese spy we saw you know, about hmm. um, Salwell, we know that guy. They have been sent over there, been trained over there, but their loyalty is always to the country that sends them. Hmm. And they will work like they are one among you, they live among you, everything and all, but their entire thing is to infiltrate and gather information or destroy the host country for the sake of the country to whom they have loyalty. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. Yeah. And, they, and they can be set up. They can be activated through a code. Through a code. It will be, it will be like in a... They are t- it will be in a newspaper. It may be just one line in a news that is read by... In their country, somebody... All kind of things we know about. And we know it is true. It's all part of the clock and dagger business. Mm. Okay. But imagine you can create a... Sp- split personality in a lab kind of a setting. You split it. And that personality is brought out and is trained in particular things. Mm-hmm. Trained in particular things. Okay, And they have left there as a mole. Left there as a mole. And they can activate that whenever they want. And this is basically what Freemasonry does. And that's why the world is going down, because they have infiltrated, they have taken over the entire system. And there are good people sitting over there with these altar personalities inside, controlled by them. And they live in fear. And this exposure is what they fear. And there are pastors too. Think about David. When David did what he did with Bathsheba, he was petrified of being exposed. Yes. The shame of it. Yes. Shame. Of, and he was king. <laughs> and all the Gentile kings did this. But he knew he was not a Gentile king. He knew he was a Jewish king. And as a Jewish king, he knew God. And he knew how people looked at him and how God looks at these things. You know, to cover what he did was worse than what he did. Yes. Why did he go that route? Yes. It was about shame and fear. Yeah. And you know what? 
This is exactly what they do. It is shame and fear and exposure. And you know what happens? Many of them would rather kill themselves. And you know pastors in the past couple of years who have committed suicide before they could be exposed. They just killed themselves. They couldn't handle it. And you need to realize this, this is what happened. This is how the whole system functions. This is how it has happened. And therefore, when you are talking about big names and all, listen to them. Listen to them. And see if there is anything wrong with their doctrine. And if you need to listen to them, if you've got a good church, it's a solid church, and the word of God is good, stick to that. We need your church and you need your Bible. You don't need to listen to all these people. You don't need to listen to them. Ultimately, that was how churches always functioned. There mm. were no televangelists and all that. Even when po- Apostle Paul and went all, they preached they handled the church over and ordained elders. It's a church that man. The issue is what is happening is you don't have scriptural, biblical, Holy Ghost filled churches and pastors. If you have it in your town, be part of it. And you don't need to listen to all these people. You don't listen to all these people. Because the danger of listening to all these people is that if you do not know your scripture well, mm-hmm. then you get fooled. That is where the primary purpose of the church is to equip the congregation with the word of God. So that they know on what they stand. What are the fundamental beliefs, everything. So when these things happen and big names, very, very big names are over there, you will see <coughs> what is happening is... One of the reasons the big names in U.S. never spoke up last year during this entire election where they were compromised. They were scared to talk. They were very, very scared to talk out. And the ones who spoke out, you need to realize they were not scared. Like John MacArthur and all. And if you look at John MacArthur and all, you will see they left many of the organizations they were part of. Because they smelled something fishy was going on over here fishy was going on over here. So we did it. we need to be wise about these things and we are not judging them. But the other side of it is true. They have all the personalities, A L T R they all the but they are manufactured, created all the personalities. You see, everybody has a past. Okay, before you came to the Lord, a very young in the Lord or no just think. So what happens is these people get invited Young people get invited, they go into these fraternity gatherings and all, and stuff happens. They regret, but they do not know they have been set up. Hmm. And once they have been set up, it stays there. They go to Bible college, they this thing, no? And the whole thing is that this is, a, this is more of a modern phenomena yes. of created altars. It could have happened in the last 80 years, hmm. 80 to 90 years. Okay, 80 to 90 years. So it's something very, very new compared to human history. It's compared to this thing. This is not per se demon possession. Demon possession can be handled. MPD is a different thing. Psychiatric, psychiatric can keep you calm. Psychiatry doesn't know how to integrate it. The only answer to this <coughs> is integration. But the problem is integration, how you do it, most people do not even know integration is possible. They do not even know integration is possible. And how to do it also, a lot of people are not aware. So they struggle. And it is not easy to integrate because, you know, when you when they, they when they use you, when they split you, you could have hundreds of alter personalities. Thousands, 
1,000, 2,000, 3,000 alter personality. So integration is not an easy thing. It is not an easy thing because you need the will of the subject. Yes. Will of the subject. The will of each of these alters. It's not the will of the core person. The will of each of these alters. And where they are hiding and when, whether they will come out, you don't even know. Unless you know. And it will take time, resources, sitting there, getting these alters out, identifying them, getting them to agree with Christ, and then integrating them. It's not an easy thing at all. So the only thing that we can do is ask Lord, let there be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because I've heard situations where where there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a person comes and says, you know what, I still have these many altars, I think so, lots of them. I myself do not know. But I hear voices all around inside of them talking and all that. And this is not demons, okay? This is not demons. Let me tell you, I know what I'm talking about. This is not demons. Demons are easy to handle. But said that I went for this particular church service and the anointing was so great and 50 altars got integrated in one shot. Okay? So one of the answer to this is the, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to sweep. Okay? Crying out and say, Lord, do it, Lord. Sweep over me. Mm. Clear this mess off, Lord. Integrate me. Yes. But the whole other side of it is that when the integration takes place, be prepared to handle the memories. The trauma part of it. Another memory because let us say 10 altars got integrated and these 10 altars were used for 10 different purposes. Mm. Abuse. You, the altars were abused but your body was abused. But the altar was in that body. Or you were used to do something, including murder. So when that memory comes into you, you have to learn to live with it. You have to learn to live with it. I will never say you should go and uh, go to the cops and all, because you are not even the person who did it. It was an altar who did it. So you're not even, technically it was your hands and all, but you were not the person. So don't do dumb things and go surrender yourself and all, unless the core was involved in it. That's a different picture altogether. So you need to realize that's basically what is happening. And they're miserable people. They're tormented people, unless they come to Christ. Mm -hmm. When they come to Christ, they struggle, they fight, but there is comfort. But the whole thing is that, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And the sad part is pastors, uh, the, the dangerous pastors, are the infiltrators. The infiltrators are those who were created for this purpose and sent into these churches and the doctrine is wrong. The doctrine is subtle, it is deceptive and they are sent in basically to destroy what Jude is talking about in Jude. Yes. They have come in from, from the crept back door, in crept in unawares. So I'm not talking about the pastors whose doctrine is right, who are good, who struggle with this. And they probably did not know how to handle it. Who will help me through this? The doctrine is right. They are righteous. They are good people. But they have one part of it with which they struggle. And then the other side of it. There are the wicked ones. They have been sent in, created and sent in for this purpose. And that is where we have to use. That is where uh, Paul will tell Timothy, watch your life and watch your doctrine. Watch your doctrine. Okay, watch your life mm. and watch your doctrine. By which you may save yourself and your hearers. Mm. That's how. So, when it says, uh, you're saying that the, uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, uh, in Jesus' ministry, he says, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me mm. to bind up the brokenhearted. Is it we can use it today in that context. When it is being said then, 
traumatic cases are there. Trauma is there. Yes, okay. yes. It's like I, I would use an example of experientially putting an example is that mm. the ten lepers. Yes. They are split. Mm. Yeah. They have gone through trauma, not mm. about the disease, mm. but the fact they were ostracized from the society, their own home, their own family, their own fam- flesh and blood, the friends, everybody. And all you have today for years and years is shout, unclean, unclean, unclean. And you split with it. Mm. You have to le- learn with the trauma. Okay. On one side, the other person is there. If you uh, if your wife you, if you have a wife your wife is still your wife your children are still your children that is not changing yet to them you are unclean you cannot meet them you cannot talk to them so that thing happens mm. okay so ten of them were healed but who one came back mm. and the one who was came back is the one who is made mm. whole yes the one who is mm. made whole and and he goes back different the others got their healing but they have not been made whole. And this wholeness can be a process. Mm. And that's what we are talking about. One is connected with the body. The other is connected with the soul. soul. And if that is what Jesus is talking about, he has come to heal mm. the brokenhearted who have been fragmented, who have been fragmented by their trauma, and he makes it. And it's the Holy Spirit that does it. Mm. And through the word of God. Mm. Because how does your soul, you have to come to come Jesus. To yes. And he accepts you. I, actually, mm. uh, the word for trauma, mm. uh, when I was actually doing a word search, mm. the the only time it occurs in the entire New Testament is when this guy is coming from Jerusalem to Jericho, and, and he has been beaten, and one of the things that he suffers from is trauma, mm. and when the Samaritan comes, he mm. pours in the oil, the oil and the oil wine, oil and he binds up all, all the traumatic this, wounds in his soul, thing. and he yeah, makes him, and then he hands him over, over. to the, in, in, the innkeeper. That's so that You have to stay there. You don't stay in the innkeeper, meaning you stay in the house of God, a mm. solid house of God. You will not recover. You have to stay there and be based over there. That's your protective. God has taken you out of that and put you in a safe environment. And trust God. Trust God and guard your heart. And forgiveness is important in this. Mm. So that's how God does it. And this is where trauma victims really struggle is they hold unforgiveness against their abusers. Was the abuse true? Yes. Was it real? Yes. Was it evil? Yes. But can you withhold forgiveness? No. That's the final lesson from the cross. Forgive them. For whose sake? For your sake. So that God can heal you. Otherwise, will not. Yes, that's uh, a, that's a long question. Uh, sir, uh, I think uh, there's a there's a continuity for this in another question. Mm. It's question number uh, seven. Uh, can I read it? Uh, yeah. I have not seen my mom, my dad, my sisters, my brothers, and I have no clue what really happened. I get all kinds of rhetoric from everyone. No real story. Gets me really confused. If God knew this would happen, why did He let me live? Why would He just not take me home with the rest of them? Why does he allow people to suffer and live lonely lives? What sense does it all make? People, if they're not your family or not related to you or know you, they truly don't care. Honestly, pastors, I know what it is to be abused, rejected, judged. Christians are the worst. And so why is it God who is so loving and a father in heaven allow us to go through all this? It does not make any sense to me. Okay. First, uh, let me come to that point where you said Christians are the worst. By the way, it is not. It's just an opinion, your personal opinion. It is not true. Christians are not the worst abusers. Okay, When you're talking about the term, you have to use when you're talking about the Christian. I use the word Christian only for saved people. And much of the compassion work in the world was always done by the Christians. But like I said about David, even a godly man could fall that way. 
Hmm. Okay, so keep that. All this is happening because of the fall and these are the consequences of sin. If you are looking to Gentile cultures, the abuse was unbelievable and still is. Okay, in many, many cultures, if you look at it. The second thing over here is that why did this really happen? You know, it's very difficult to talk to somebody who is hurting. <laughs> okay, so if you are listening, I know it's very difficult for you to hear me because you're hurting. And you see everything through the prism of pain. Prism of pain. Okay, let me explain to you this thing. Let us say you went through surgery. You were put on anesthesia. Surgery went off fine. And then you come out, you are in the recovery room, and the anesthesia is wearing off. Okay? Mm. Now you are in pain, mm. you are restless, everything. But actually, you are getting better. Mm -hmm. The healing has started. Mm -hmm. But you are not able to see any of those things because you are looking at through the prism of the pain. Yes, pain yes. So one of the, re one of the issues is that I know it is online, but it is very difficult to handle these cases unless it's face-to-face and you calm down and put your emotions and your pain down and look at the big picture, big picture. And I would, I would say, put across, I have no father, no mother, no brother, no sister. It is sad what happened to you. But I also know about hundreds of kids who wait to 18 to leave their father and their mother and their <laughs> brother and their sister and don't want to come back. They don't even go back home. Okay, They run away. They just pack their bags. They leave. So both pictures are there. What happened to you is sad. But in the real salvation experience, and you have to come and believe and come into that, mm. God is your father. The Bible says there are no widows. He's a husband to the widows and a father to the orphans. Mm. Being an orphan and walking in the orphan spirit are two different things. I could be an orphan and be absolutely comfortable hmm. and secure with God. Amen. And I could be a Christian with God as my father and be walking around with this orphan spirit. Okay, So these are two different realities. Mm -hmm. Then, the other side, you said, why would he just take me home with the rest of them? Simply because God has got a purpose for you. Mm -hmm. you know, God has got a purpose for you. He doesn't take anybody home. I mean, if you are a child of God, he doesn't want to take anybody home because he wants you to run your course. Run, okay? And again, go to Revelation chapter 22. Okay? And Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. First, let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 4. Hmm? Okay. Chapter 4. Is and verse 17. This is a man, okay? Unlike a unlike lot of people who have written, this is a man who did not do wrong. This is a man who did right. He was out for the gospel. And he was persecuted. He went through, if you want to put it in terms of trauma, he knows what trauma is. Abuse. For our light affliction, which is for about a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight. What does he call it? He mm. calls it light affliction, which is but for a moment. But automatically it does not work. 
you have to allow it to work. Like I said, suffering is a gift for the fallen man. Pain is a gift for a fallen man. If man fell into sin and he had no sense of pain or suffering, he will never repent. He will never come back to God. So pain and suffering in itself is not a curse. It's a blessing for the fallen man. Now this person, this apostle is talking about his affliction has momentary and calls it light. Now turn to Second Corinthians and chapter 11. Okay. Verse 23 onwards. Are the ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. You know what he's talking about stripes? He's talking about floggings. Mm -hmm. With those metal bits or bone bits at the end of those whips. Which Paul got for what? For preaching the gospel. Not doing for harm. Above measure. In prisons more frequently. In deaths often. He meaning every time he said no. Talking about facing death. Literally facing death. From the Jews five times. Not one, not two, not three. I received 40 stripes minus one. Meaning that is the, it's not 40, you get 39 stripes. You are stretched out naked and you are whipped. Okay, And he said, from the Jews, I received five times. I was whipped 39 times. Three times I was beaten with rods. And this is a this is an incomplete record. Mm-hmm. This record is when he writing to Corinthians. What all he got after that, including his head being be, um, take cut off, is not recorded. This is a, this is an incomplete record of what this man went through. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and remember they left him dead. Yes. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Mm-hmm. Okay. In journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen. In the perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in the perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides other things, (laughs) what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. You know how we put it across this whole thing? It's a light, affliction, and moment. Mm. You know why? Because of purpose. Mm. Okay? One of the main things people go through trauma and pain and keep on meditating upon is, is that they haven't received a kingdom purpose. Mm. It's a kingdom purpose. Once you get a kingdom purpose, you start looking at life. People are just floating in the kingdom of God, just floating. Yes. They, d- they do not have a purpose. Once you have purpose, then everything falls into place. Whatever you go through, you know you're not, it is worthy. And he had said that in the Philippians, I want to share in the sufferings so of Christ. Okay? And if you are a trauma victim and you have come to Christ, you look back at your sufferings and you ask this question, if the sufferings were in there, would I have come to him? Hmm. Okay. In some ways, your sufferings were the sufferings of Christ because that is what brought you to God. Now, don't meditate on it. Don't meditate. Don't dwell on it because you will go nowhere. Mm. He could brought you to the kingdom, but you are just floating around. Turn it around into a ministry, like my wife prays. No? Your mess into a message. Your misery into a ministry because much of the great things which has been done by the men and women of God is that they turn their mess into a message. Mm-hmm. 
They turn their misery into a ministry. But if you choose to dwell in your misery, God cannot take you to the next level of redemption. That's what I keep talking about. When Naomi and Ruth came into Israel, both are widows. Naomi's husband is dead. Ruth's husband is dead. Naomi has no children. Ruth has no children. But if who should be miserable? Ruth should be miserable because she is a Moabite in Israeli territory. Well, Ruth has come back to her hometown. Moabites, they don't even look at them. But because both have suffered, one was miserable. God could do nothing to her. But the other was not miserable. And because she was not miserable, God uses Boaz to redeem her and she becomes the grandmother of Jesus, Jesus Christ. One of his grandmothers is able. Both are miserable. Both are have gone through misery. Same misery of losing everybody. They're both two widows. No children, no husband, nothing. But you know what? One gets redeemed. The other does not. So misery is not your, your, your pain is not your enemy. Your suffering is not your enemy. You have to allow God to turn it around for your good. And that's what Romans 8 and verse 20 are the most comforting among verses. Okay? Among verses. We know, we know that all things, it doesn't say some things, it doesn't say good things, it doesn't say the happy things, it doesn't say except those painful things. No. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And the most often quoted example on which we preach is the story of Joseph. Joseph. You look at Joseph and what he went through. What he went through. And he was. Okay, and let's go back. Because if you are listening for the first time, 13 years he went through this. And look at what Psalm says. Psalm 100 and Verse 5 and verse 17 and 18. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Okay, He's the favorite son of a very rich father. It's not that he's unloved. His brothers hated him. And his brothers sold him as a slave. In those days to the Amalekites, sold him as a slave. He's dragged, taken all the way to Egypt, sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. And he was laid in irons. Hurt. He was put fetters. And they laid him in iron. Neck to this thing. And that's how he worked. For ten years. In the dungeon. I believe ten years. Three years in Potiphar's house. And ten years in the dungeon. This is how he lived. Until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. You know what? He never, never allowed it to get into his heart. Hmm. And in, in the book of. Genesis and chapter 50. This is what he said to them in verse 20, 50, 20. His response at the end. As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. Okay, He's not saying what you did was not evil. Mm. What you did was evil. Mm. But the evil you did to me, all these people who have written, who have suffered, it was done to them by other people. But the evil that you did to me, because I reacted to it in the strength of God. God turned it around for good. Mm. In order to bring it about as it is this day. For what? To save many alive. What is he saying? He turned my mess into, into a, a message. message. 
and my misery into a ministry. And Joseph has a ministry. God is sending all the hurting people to him and now he is feeding them. All the nations are coming to Joseph and the question is, would he have compassion for them mm. if he hadn't gone through this? So don't get bitter. Mm. You have two choices. You can either get bitter and shut yourself in the room and make everybody else miserable like Naomi or you can get better like uh, Ruth, Ruth and be a blessing. The t- choices are there because evil is there. Until the Lord comes back, evil will be there. And evil, evil will only abound, will only increase. It will abound. But remember, even as evil increases, grace is there. Where mm. evil, sin abounds, grace abounds. And look in the grace of God. And God will change your life. No? So don't look through your prism of your pain. Turn it over to God and say, Lord, show me. You show me. Even if everyone abandons me, you said even if your mother abandons I will, I will not. And God did not abandon Joseph. The Bible is very clear about it. As a slave and as a prisoner, the Bible very clearly says the Lord was with him. And that is something which you have to. But if you, if you are miserable and you are angry and up, up, upset, even if God were to be standing next to you, you will not feel him. Hmm. You blocked him. God never blocks you out. Hmm. He never blocks you other than sin. Nothing blocks us from God. He's always there. That's the lesson we we learn. So your pain is real. I sympathize with you, but it is not true. It is a fact in history. It is not true now, unless you live in history. Hmm. If you live in your past, then that becomes your reality. What is true is you are the child of God now. God is there with you, and His Spirit is with you, and you can overcome. And like Joseph, you can save many people. You can turn your pain and make it into a message. Allow God to do it through you. Yes. Amen. Now, Pastor, we'll come back to question number four because we put put that. So, uh, the second part says, um, also, apart from the obvious prosperity gospel, word of faith, uh, self-promoting preachers, there are few others who twist, whose twist is not very obvious but can only be picked when noted carefully. Mm. Will you be able to provide a gist on how to discern the not-so-obvious word-of-faith preachers? See, um, simple thing is to lean on God. And God, ask God, Lord, give me the spirit of discernment. Mm. Give me the spirit of discernment. Second thing is, Know God through the Word of God. Mm. Know God. That's our save. Like, like we talk also always. No, you don't study the false to identify the false. You study the true to identify the false. A lot of people get fooled away. It's because they don't study what is true. It's true. Second thing, when you study the true, don't study it through the prism of your pain. I've seen that happening. Okay? Through the prism of your pain. It will color the truth. Mm. It will color the truth. You you become a victim. Joseph did not have a victim mentality. He had a victim mentality. Though he was a victim, he did not look at life as a victim. A lot of people in the church. The church is it's also like an hospital. God sends 
people who have gone through trauma of abuse, rape, divorce, brokenness, physical abuse, emotion, all these people come and you are you identify yourself inside as a victim. And the problem is when you look at yourself as a victim, you always see what is being preached through that prism. Mm. And the problem is you struggle. Seeker-friendly churches thrive. Mm. Thrive. You know why? Because they're mollycoddle you. They don't deliver you. They don't deliver you. They feed your flesh. They feed your flesh. Meaning basically they are telling, what are you seeking? We will give it to you. Just take these pamphlets, these uh, forms, write and tell us how we can improve. <laughs> Imagine Jesus or the apostles passing forms, asking us, please, we want your feedback to see how we can improve your experience with us. So where does the Holy Spirit come? Where does the standard of the word come? Mm. And they are the stars. They have the only thing they have is large congregation mm. and opulence. That is love Asia. We don't need anything. But God says, you know what? You are empty shell inside. Mm. You know, you are going the wrong way in a handbasket. Mm. And if you look at them, if you look at them, if you question them, how do you genuinely? What is your what you call it? What is your credibility? Mm. They will say, look at us. Look at my followers. It's, it's never the doctrine. It's never the doctrine. No, it's, it's never the doctrine. And that's the danger. It's not the doctrine. On the other hand, when God commends the Philadelphia church, okay, if you go there, he commends the Philadelphia church, look at what God says about them. Okay. It's never about their numbers. Okay, Revelation chapter 3. Hmm? Okay, 3 and verse 7 onwards. I know, okay, it is, I know your work. See, I have said before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have very little strength. First thing he mentions about that, you have very little mm-hmm. strength. So ask in the world, where does strength comes from? Money, mm-hmm. numbers, mm-hmm. reputation. Yes. Influence with powers to be. That's where your strength comes from. The first thing he tells the church is you have no strength. Very little strength. You don't have numbers. Or even if you have numbers, those numbers don't matter because these are the people who have no influence. Mm -hmm. Imagine a church in Hyderabad with 5,000 people and all are daily workers. What influence do they have? No IAS, no government, no private, no IT, nothing over there. All are daily laborers. And there are plenty of churches like that. Okay? So you have very little strength. But you kept my My word. That's the first thing. You kept my word. And these people don't keep the word. They twist the word. Mm. They twist the word to suit their congregation. They are, they call seeker friendly, but they are people pleasers. Mm. By ultimately pleasing people, you end up neither pleasing God nor man. man. Because when they reach the wrong place, either hell or they lose their crown, they'll curse you that day. Mm. Okay? For you have little strength, you have kept my word, and second thing, you have not denied my, my name. name. So if you look at them, when you look at look at a preacher, you look at a preacher, one of the first things you need to look at that preacher when he's preaching is, 
by now you should understand what does he cater to does he first cater to my spirit because that's the real me okay then does he cater to my soul hmm. he caters to my emotions so that my emotions are made subservient to my spirit, spirit. Amen. he doesn't cater to my emotions first if he's catering to my emotions first then he's a dangerous teacher look at timothy i think 41 First Timothy 4.1. Yeah. 4.1. Got it? Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter time some will depart from the faith. How? Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Hmm. If it is a deceiving doctrine, it has to be very well camouflaged. Okay, there's another place where they will get a heap of teachers. So that is Second Timothy three. Yes, yeah. three, three, two yeah. onwards, three or four, four no, onwards. No, no, no. They yes, will so. heap up the teachers according to their years. Four, four onwards, also. Four or five? No. No, it is not there. It's not there. One second. Tickle your ears. One of the translations will say that. Yeah. Three. They. Hmm? 4-3, yeah? 2 Timothy 4-3? 4-3? Oh, yeah. Yes, 4-3, 4-3, 4-3. Yeah, 4-3, yeah. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Hmm. That is our fundamental issue. Fundamental issue is that people don't endure sound doctrine. The first thing is sound doctrine. Hmm. You know, like we saw in the morning, right? Exhausted, but still in pursuit. Hmm. You know how quickly people get tired of the word of God? quickly they get tired of worship the worship is oh we love worship can it be a little long oh I am tired I am tired yet people are not tired of games they will sit there and shout and scream and do all kind of Mexican waves and European waves and do somersaults and nobody gets tired I am talking about Christians who go for these things but it, when it comes to the things of God how tired sound doctrine they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. They heap up for themselves teachers. They have different teachers for different desires. Okay. And that's basically what happens. Sound doctrine is missing. Sound doctrine. When sound doctrine is missing, what happens over there? You go into error. You go into error. The fundamental purpose of a church is to teach people in doctrine. Hmm in doctrine okay and sometimes that would uh, that would uh, demand long time long long time uh, my question to parents is this you christian parents you have no issues of going through all the sacrifices and sending your child for 6 hours to school 5 days a week and you complain if the message is too long on a sunday You send your kids to school, 8 hours a day, 5, 40 hours of secular training, and 2 hours of scriptural training, you say it's too much. Where are you going? Where are you going to reach? We are going to reach. You know what we have? We have made our secular 
education and the secular framework of life as our idol we actually worship it and then you know what we struggle and once we have imbibed all i i'm not saying you should you should study all that but but when we imbibed all those values in when you come to church your ears are looking for teachers who will prop those values up and when somebody with sound doctrine comes you reject him you reject him and you start calling him names it's a false teacher it's a false thing that is the accusation but if you look at some other people they call false and you look at their teaching they are solid they don't budge to the right or to the left okay and that's where the problem comes you need to have discernment you need to be ground yourself in in the in the doctrine of christ because what will happen a time will come when people not endure sound doctrine and that's what he is telling timothy first purpose of the church is to teach and that's what the apostles after the day of pentecost they gathered daily for the apostles doctrine hmm. and if you're not interested in it you're just a club hmm. and most churches are social clubs they just gather for a good time 10 minutes message and how are you how are you this thing they sat around they have their coffee they go back hmm. and how do you call it a church how do you call it a church hmm. that's not a that's not a church that's a social club it's it's uh, yeah. e- even if the message is kind of scriptural sometimes because they already have an idol in the heart yeah. they will even look at the message, message. with with the, with with that kind with of a framework no? they will not uh, really uh, anyways let's we'll go to the next part pastor yeah. mm, uh, p- part number uh, uh, question is given some examples mm. but uh, we'll look at uh, another teaching of the word of faith Mm-hmm. is that a believer will succeed in business job marriages well behaved kids wealth health should be the fruits mm-hmm. else they either don't know how to surrender to obtain the same mm-hmm. and a blame shift occurs because they believe what they hear or how they interpret the word or what they think is right uh, see you are looking at two different concepts completely over here what they have done is that they have taken the old testament and brought it into the new testament the old testament was a shadow the substance is the new co- covenant the old testament what happened was they were moving from egypt into a promised land a place a land actual land and all the promises were connected with that land, land. okay and the laws were given according to the land they were going you will have houses you didn't build you will have this and you will have and this is the law this is the covenant keep it all this and keep the country like that and in that environment you will prosper new covenant the land is gone those material promises are not there honestly they are not there what you have is spiritual we are not going to a land we are going to a land of promises hmm. okay we are not looking on anything on earth we are called to be pilgrims and aliens mm-hmm. over here mm-hmm. so when you are looking at in that we are not living in a theocracy mm-hmm. we are either living we are living in a democracy and when you are living in a democracy all kinds of people are there those laws don't apply those laws are written inside so inside you have a law and you have a law that is outside and the conflict comes mm. the conflict comes you're not living in the old israel even old israel fell away they could, couldn't wouldn't keep the laws 
Okay, remember they wouldn't keep the laws. So God knew what he was doing, but he says a time will come, a people will come. In his hearts he will write. But the problem is, realize this, in your heart one thing is written, and outside everything else is antithesis to that. You're going to live in conflict. You're going to live in conflict. And for them to say that you claim it and you name it, everything will work out honky-dory. You have to create a rarefied atmosphere, which is not there. Hmm. Even in Israel with the law, which is a rarefied atmosphere, created nothing. Yes. Because you cannot. It is not possible. You see, let us say you have a community of thousand people. You have to have to perfect this. Every thousand in word, deed and attitude has to keep the law the same way to get that atmosphere. Otherwise, it will not. One man keeps it, breaks it away. Like the Bible says, if you have a rebellious son in the law and your father, and just put it off, no? Is it on? Yeah, no? If you have a son who is rebellious, drunkard, what does the Bible say in the law? Bring him and stone him to death. But do you hear any record of anybody being stoned to death? No. No? I don't know whether it really happened. Maybe it did. I don't know. But what I am saying is that God is uh, talking about the possibility of these situations. Why? Because we talk about this. There is the penalty of sin which Jesus took. And when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the first thing. The penalty has been taken away. I don't have to die eternally for my sin anymore. But right now, we are living under the power of sin. And grace is given to us that we overcome. And sin should not reign over us. But we are not away from the presence of sin. Sin is all around. So what you are talking about is going to happen only one day. Okay? One day. Okay? Let us say you are a saint and your wife is a saint. What guarantee is that your children will be saints? No guarantee. No guarantee. But they still have to choose in choices. their free will. They have to make their choices. The problem is you are not living in a bubble. You're living in a wicked world. You're not living in a theocracy. Look at the Islamic states. They have the toughest Sharia law. You think the people are all kosher inside? No. No, they aren't. Honestly, honestly, if you look <coughs> at it, do you think they are kosher? Can the law can the law legislate evil from your heart? No. It only restricts outside. The purpose of the law is to restrict lawlessness outside. It does not change anybody. Okay. So when you look at it, uh, none of the things they say really comes to pass. <coughs> really comes to pass. All this faith. Let me ask you this: uh, When they talk about, I have I have an issue with when they talk about. I believe in health. I believe in divine health. But I also understand the other side. One, I am living in a sin-filled world, and the effect of sin has permeated into everything. Your, what you breathe, what you drink, what you eat, what you see, what you hear, what you touch, the evil has permeated everything. Okay, So you have to accept that second. Second thing, the other side is there. There is no redemption for my yes, body. body. Yes. I can stand on my head, claim it and name it, my body is deteriorating. Yes. Okay, and I've seen all these old-time faith people all growing old and stooping, and they all died. And they all died of old age, sickness, heart attack, whatever. Your system is deteriorated. Accept that. Accept that. So within that limitations, you should accept health. 
within that limitations. Otherwise, you will bring guilt. I should look like Arnold Schwarzenegger till the day I die. No, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Okay? So, accept all these things. <laughs> accept. We have a limit. So, we are, see, the whole problem is we are trying to create heaven on earth. If you are trying to create heaven on earth, you are a communist. Because communism is what tries to create an utopia here. Heaven is not on earth. Heaven is in heaven. That's where he's preparing a place for us. And he's coming back. Okay. Even when he comes back and rules here for a thousand years, the people whom he rules will die. They will live longer. Hmm. They will be much more healthier. But they will still die. The Bible says that. They will yes. still die. Yes. Okay, so understand that. So we need to understand the fallacy of some of the things which they say that if when you live under the visible reign of Jesus Christ, ultimately people will still die. Okay, can this be better than that? When he's not visibly ruling, when all these wicked people are ruling and dispensations are wicked, that is where the issue comes with the word mm-hmm. of faith people mm-hmm. have their issues. They don't put, we are, we are living in the presence of sin. And the presence of sin is permeating everywhere. And when it is permeating, when they say, if you do not believe it and you don't claim it, then uh, there's something wrong with you. If you fall ill, if your marriage is in like on cloud nine, your children are not like cherubims, your wife is not a seraphim, there's something wrong with you. You tell me any one of them who was like that. Any one of these real faith preachers, you ask me any one of them who actually their families were like that. They weren't like that. All when they're trouble. And some of the big names, their kids went into drug abuse and everything and they came back. Divorce and everything and they came back. So they also went through that. Okay. So we knew. But a time is coming. That is in eternity when the presence of sin will not be there. Mm. And there will be no sickness. Why? Because the body has changed. Yes. The minds will be whole because there is no presence of sin. There's no evil anymore. So, so don't try to bring that over here and then pe- put a people on a guilt trip. Yes. Yet, does the Bible actually teaches you that even now you can live a very healthy life with the promises and the rules God has given? Yes, yes. you yes. can. You can. You can. You can live. Okay, but remember, let us say. You came to the Lord at 40. And for 40 years, you lived a messy life. And at 40, you come and your body has stopped growing and actually it is regressing because finished by 80, 19, 20, everything. And after that, you're going backwards. You know what happens? At 40, you come to the Lord and you name it and claim it and tell the body to go back and read. It's not going to happen. Mm. These things don't happen. So you have to be very realistic when you talk to people. Okay, you are born in the flesh, even the child of a saint and a saintess, <laughs> okay, <laughs> Mr. Saint and Mr. Saints, child is born in sin and shaped in iniquity, does not, bo- is not a saint. The child is holy and set apart, it's positionally, only. positionally. Oh, yes. but the child has to be born again, mm-hmm. has to be born again. So be very careful about what these people say. They cannot sell you unless they mix truth in it. They cannot sell it unless they 
Let us go to their most favorite in 3 John, right? Yes. Third John. Yeah. Third John. Verse 3. Verse uh, 2. Two three. Okay, that is their favorite line. Mm-hmm. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now let me ask you a simple logical question. Mm-hmm. Let me ask Roshan sitting over here. Because others are here every day. Roshan. Is this a prayer or a promise? Read it again. It's a prayer. It's not a promise. They made it into a promise and infallible, unbrokeable, whatever. It's a prayer. Okay. On the other hand, if he says the other way, Beloved, it is written. It is written. <laughs> that, not you may, not may, you will, will promise in all things and be in health just as your soul promised. Then it's locked in. It is locked in. Then you, all you have to go is look for some conditions to fulfill it. But mm-hmm. It's a prayer. I pray. What is that? That you may prosper. In all things. Of course, I do pray that every day for all my church. Father, I pray they may prosper in all things. Yeah. And be in health. Who wants somebody, who prays for somebody to be in, in sickness? <laughs> be in health. Just as your soul prospers, he puts this thing on. He says, at the end of the day, all this has its limitations. Where are I going to take this? Your body is going nowhere. But your soul has to prosper. You're going to take your soul with you. So you need to realize they take things and they make a theology out of a mm. verse. Mm. And once they have picked this, and this is the foundation stone, not Christ, this <laughs> is their foundation stone. <laughs> then they are looking through scriptures for other scriptures which will justify this one. And you know what? People are naming and claiming and jumping and dancing and, and they are taking offering after offering after offering after offering. And you know what? At the end of the day, it becomes a scam. Mm. It becomes a scam. Mm. Okay, many of them have no anointing at all, but they are selling and posting anointed mm. handkerchiefs like crazy. <laughs> okay, it becomes a scam. It becomes a scam, and sadly, you need to realize God allows it to happen. Why? Because that is how it, you are tested. Mm-hmm. You are sifted. Okay, mm. there is. A, a portion where he says, no, these things should be there. Division should not be there. Uh-huh. Otherwise, you will not. Uh, you will not, you'll not know who is the right one. Second Corinthians chapter, oh, First Corinthians chapter 7, uh-huh. verse 29, if I'm right, something like that. It's inevitable that schisms happen. Yeah. So that those who are approved may be tested. Got it? I just see, uh, it's there. It's, uh, it's there in First Corinthians. No, no, no. Don't jump into that, Sammy. You always like this. They should not have wives. You're a bachelor, we know that. But don't... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this doctor look. Okay, all the bachelors. Okay. okay. No, 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 no. First question is. Uh, okay. Huh? One nineteen was nice. Eleven nineteen. Okay. Not eleven nineteen, Baba. Yeah. 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 For there must no, also be factions nice. among you that mm. those who are approved mm. may be recognized mm. among you. The simple thing is that, <coughs> a simple question is that, even in that prayer of John, he says, your soul prospers. Okay? Soul prospers. So even if in that prayer, he will see, he puts a premium on your soul. Why does God allow heresy in the church? Because to see 
he's to see who puts a premium on their soul mm. and who pre- puts a premium on their body mm. as simple as that who puts a premium on the life now and who puts a premium on the life to come mm-hmm. to test it he allows heresies and that's how he shifts that's how he shifts people what is real eternity what is coming compared to this life this life is like a second compared to eternity not even a second compared to eternity and eternity what are the things that matter mm-hmm. so you look at the preacher and see what is he talking to you about mm-hmm. where does he put the focus on mm-hmm. is he asking you and teaching you to live in the light of eternity or live in the in the light of now mm-hmm. and if he's you have that's where the discernment he will use scripture mm-hmm. that is why they always go to the promises of the old testament because the old testament promises are all about now mm. new testament i'll show you you know because when i show you this to um, prosperity preachers i met many in my lifetime okay so i show them have you read this turn with me to timothy okay chapter 6 first timothy chapter 6 word 6 onwards now godliness with contentment is a great thing is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out okay first bubble gone you brought nothing you're taking nothing so don't gather so much okay verse 8 having food and clothing with these we shall be content what is added to that nothing nothing if you are talking about those they were talking about those days okay put a donkey there even a donkey is not included mode of transport <laughs> if you have food and a clothing and even 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 one donkey nothing is included and a piece of land also is not piece included. of land is not included <laughs> you know why because you are pilgrims you are going to be persecuted for righteousness sake and the master has said when you are persecuted in city city flee to the next one mm. you are going to get persecuted for righteousness sake from a evil dispensation mm. and the evil dispensation will continue for 2000 years until i come so don't put your heart and mind on to earthly things because you will never know when it will be taken away and if your heart is set on these things when it is taken away you will be heartbroken because your heart was on the other hand turn to keep your finger over there and come to the book of hebrews and chapter 10 and verse 34 or let us uh, read from verse 32 onwards okay you have to understand where see this prosperity preachers will never preach any they will never even show you any of these things recall the former days in which after you were illuminated you endured a great struggle with sufferings now think about it you were illuminated meaning your mind was opened up to the grace of god the salvation of god the love of god the goodness of god and what did you have to endure struggle with sufferings not with good times sufferings because suddenly the world became your enemy the world sees you as a enemy partly while you made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations why you refused to toe their line hmm. the prosperity gospel the world loves it hmm. they have no issues with it but the gospel of christ they oppose it because they look at you as a radical and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated verse 34 
for you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourself in heaven look at it in this simple thing how you explain it imagine paul is a pastor at ephesus and the government city government of ephesus has declared this guy is a heretic and he is arrested and is put in prison and everybody who associates with them their property also has been confiscated yes that's what they are doing in us now yes. they want to you know one of the terms they used one of those guys said it is the whole of trump supporters have to be deprogrammed it's talking about 74 million people more than half the country you know the audacity to say these things They're coming after the Christians. They're going to come after the Christians. Okay, America has never known what persecution is. They escaped religious persecution and created a land under God. Religious persecution is coming if God doesn't move in and does something drastically. It's coming. So this is, and you know what? This is what the Bible is talking about. Where does this fit in with the prosperity gospel? prosperity gospel. Where does it fit in with prosperity gospel? We are going to take all this. Yeah. I'm not saying that if God has given you money, you are rich, you worked hard, you saved your money. I mean, God doesn't stop you from doing anything what you did. I'll show that too also. He doesn't, he says, everything that you do, it has to be willingly and cheerfully. Mm-hmm. Nobody is forcing you to do anything. Look at that. Come to the book of Acts in chapter 5. verse 3 and 4, especially verse 4. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Look at verse 4. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. He said, did God ask you to give the whole thing? Did God ask for your money? It was your own. It's your own money. You could have spent it any way you wanted. God is not putting any demand on you. But God is saying, He loves a cheerful giver. You love God and you want to cheerfully serve God. Out of that you should have given. Instead, what did you do? You are trying to play the fool with the Holy Spirit for the appearance of men. This is what I am saying. God gives you money, it's your money. Mm-hmm. God is not saying you shouldn't do that with your money, you shouldn't do that. I mean, God says you surrender yourself, come to my spirit, Allow my Holy Spirit to have the Lordship of your life and allow the Holy Spirit to direct how you should use your money. You know what? You will be a happy man here. You will be a happy man there. <coughs> Amen. You don't do that. I am not coming after your money. I gave you free will and I will never take it away. Mm. I will not take it. Even after you are born again, you still have the free will. Mm. That's what he's saying. Wasn't it yours? Do you have to go all through this natak, all this drama, and look at the consequences of it? Okay, so we need to understand how God looks at all these things. But what do we do when we, out of our own volition, cheerfully, joyfully surrender our free will to God, we are able to really enjoy our possessions because what happens, our heart is changed according to the nature of God. We have a different kind of a joy. The joy of the world is in possessions, Mm. in getting Mm. and holding and displaying. The joy of the Lord is in giving. giving. That's a different joy. Mm. It's a different joy. 
It's in giving. And you know as parents, that is the real joy. You buy a gift for your child. The child is excited, tears it, ha, 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 ha. But your joy is watching the joy of your child mm. in giving. Two days later, the child has forgotten the joy. But you still haven't forgotten the expression on his face. Mm -hmm. You see, that's why God is always full of joy. Because he's forever giving mm. and giving and giving. And giving. So there are two kinds of joy. One is the joy of God. The other is the happiness of the world. And the faith movement, the word of faith, prosperity gospel is tapping into the carnal nature of the man and happiness. Even when the founding fathers wrote about the pursuit of happiness, mm -hmm. they did not mean what they mean today. Mm -hmm. They meant the joy of the Lord to pursue happiness. Pursue that. They meant the joy of the Lord. They were godly men. No, see, America was built on a different foundation altogether of hard work, stewardship, thrift, simple lifestyle and all that. The prosperity gospel sold you the world, mm. the gospel of the devil, the world under a nice, very package. But once you have taken that, you will never again end your sound doctrine unless God brings it to your knees. Mm. I've seen them. You wait very angry, very offended if you speak against their comfort. Very upset. They get on very hostile. Mm. Like we who try to stick to the word of God, you preach the prosperity gospel to us. I will say much. <laughs> if it happens, well and good. But if it doesn't happen, I am good. That's what Paul says. I know how to abound. Mm -hmm. I know how to obey. So we are okay if that happens. God bless me. God bless you. But if it doesn't happen, I am good with it. Mm -hmm. But you don't have that other part. You don't have that yeah. other part. That is the problem. <laughs> Your wedding vows are different. In health, wealth. No sickness, no poverty. Mm. I want to listen to the wedding vows. How many prosperity preachers, what are their wedding vows? <laughs> oh, Lord. Right? What are their wedding vows? No, so... Okay. And God wants to. I mean, God wants. I mean, He blesses His children. But the problem is, after some time, these things don't will not matter. But I am telling you, most of these people struggle because they do not have kingdom purpose. And mm. there's one question also I want to answer before we close. The sixth question? Question number six? One child had written. No? Yeah. Why can we not go out shopping? Why can we not go to the park? Why can we not go swimming? God made pleasure. Then why are we asked to stay away from all these fun things? Why are you always telling us not to take your kids to the mall? My grandma took us to the mall and to the church every day. We never spent a lot. We did not have much to spend a lot. Why are you always discouraging us not to go anywhere? <laughs> then why did God show, uh, God allow all this to be in the existence? Why sh we should just stay home, study, read the Bible? After that, I get upset when I hear you say, keep your children away from the mall. Keep your children away from recreation parks. Keep your children away from the world. I'm confused. People are wicked. You can enjoy all this within the limit. Cut your co coat according to, the, to your size. Why are, your, why are these beautiful countries all around the world and you cannot visit them? Makes no sense to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> sure, whoever it is, I just love you. Okay? You need to be upfront like this and went out. Okay, first, I did not say you cannot take your child to the recreation park. But see, when we say a park in India and when you say a park in 
US. US. These are two different things. Mm. Your parks are not parks. <laughs> it's like, what is that? Uh, seven flags and all in Texas and all. No, this is all those rides and everything and all. We are not talking. I am not talking about that. I did not say you should not go shopping. But uh, you should go shopping for what you need. Mm-hmm. For not what you want. Okay, let me explain to you two words this has to, the whole thing, let me try to put it in five, six, four, five minutes. I want you to go to two different verses. <coughs> one is in Second Peter. Second Peter, chapter one, uh, chapter one, and, sorry, chapter one, and words three. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So the first thing you need to realize is, whatever I do, does it bring godliness? Hmm. And if the answer is yes, you know the word and you know the Holy Spirit, go ahead and do that. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Verse 4. By which you have been given as exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. What are we called to partake of? The divine nature. Mm. Having escaped what? The corruption that is in the world through lust. So there are two different things. One, there is earth, which God created, Mm. beautiful, he created. And there is the world, which man created, the devil created through man, the world. Okay, And in the world has a misfit, is the church created by God. So there is the earth, there is the world, and there is the church. Mm. Both the world and the church is in the same place. Mm. And the Bible is very clear, there is corruption in the world. This is a corruption that degrades and takes you to death, and it takes you to hell. Mm. And you partake of this corruption through lust. Lust is what the devil uses, incites in you to partake of the corruption in the world, so that you can be taken ultimately with him. Now you turn to 1 John and it tells you in chapter 2 and verse 15 to 17. Okay? Do not love the world. Mm. That's not say do not love the earth. Mm-hmm. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Don't love it. Mm. Just use it. Don't love it. Use it. And give it away. Use it. Wash it. Iron it. Give it away when you don't need it. It's as simple as that. How many shirts can you wear at the same time? Hmm? Look at the idiot if you wear three shirts. Right? I mean, I'm talking about simple things. Buy it, use it, give it away. I get so confused in my church because uh, sometimes half the ladies look familiar because they're all wearing my wife's clothes. Okay? I'm, I'm, and that's what we do. She gets, we get. We don't buy, we just get. What do we do? What we, do? we give it away. We get, because we are pastors, we get it, we give it away. We keep, keep on giving it away. I, honestly, one Wednesday service, I still remember, there was this sister sitting with the head bent down, and I sat down and I said, honey. And I looked up at her and I said, I'm so sorry, you were wearing my wife's clothes, I thought it was you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we give everything away. Hmm. Almost Everything we give away. Because what are things for? To give away. Mm. Give away. To give away. I mean, God gave us things. The Bible is there. Mm. But don't love it. If you love it, 
you are in danger. Because let me ask you this question. Let me simply ask you this question. Let us look at the difference. Earth and the, the world. world. How do you identify the world? It's man's creation. It's creation. No, no. How do you... Uh, just let us put it across in a simple, simple thing as a, for a simple child. What is the world? What would you say as the world is the things? Mm-hmm. Right? That's what it says. The things of the world. Okay? We don't uh, consider a tree as a thing of the world. Mm-hmm. We consider it as a part of creation. Yes. Right? But this is a thing. Mm-hmm. This is a thing. It's not part of God's creation. Yes. This is something mm-hmm. which we, because we have the image of God, we created. Man created. So this is a thing. So God says, take care of my creation. Take care of my creation. Don't love things. If you love things, the love of the Father is not in him. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you cannot compete between two loves. Two loves. For all that is in the world, all that is not in the earth, mm-hmm. in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is not of the what is of world. Okay? So I'm not saying that you should not go to a mall. But the question is, how do you handle the mall? Let me show you the first shopping. Genesis chapter 3. <laughs> chapter 3, verse 6. I'm interesting as a lady pastor. <laughs> <laughs> so when the woman saw the tree was good for food, what happened? All the trees are there. Mm. Until she listened to the devil. When she listened to the devil, listened to his voice and start allowing his voice to control her senses. The love of God has been replaced with the lust of the world. Now she sees the food, that same fruit, differently. Mm. It is good for food. But God said, if you eat, you will die. Mm. How did it become good for food? Mm. It was pleasant to the eyes. Mm. Okay, pleasant to the eyes. On the other hand, let me tell you, you take a bottle with beautiful looking liquid, and on the label is a skull and bones saying poison. Don't take it. Is it pleasant to the eyes? Yes, it's ple- eyes to the place, but it's yes. the yeah. But suddenly it is not pleasant to the eyes. eyes. You know, yes. because you look at the label. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what happens? The devil comes and takes the label off. Mm-hmm. Okay, label off. Suddenly it is very pleasant to the eyes. Desirable. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is what happens. This is what happens. What happens is it starts sinking in. Let me ask you this question. Why are people so dissatisfied? I'm, I'm talking about people who have are so dissatisfied. Why are they not content? I'm telling you, it's simply shopping. I'm not talking about going to the mall. I'm talking about even our children. Like I, I used the simple examples, no? You take a child to a shopping mall, a simple mall. And show him a line full of different colored milk. Do you think he will eat, drink that white colored thing tomorrow? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now let me ask you the simple question. What is milk for? What is milk for? Okay. This is exactly what does it cause? What does the world cause? It causes dissatisfaction. Desire. It causes a desire. It causes a dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter what you buy. It will never satisfy mm-hmm. you. 
will never satisfy you. That is the way the world operates. So the devil has created a world and he causes a desire. And the more you desire, the more you possess, the more dissatisfied you are. Dissatisfied. That is the principle. But if you are a person who is content, absolutely content with God, you may walk through the mall, just buy the things you want and just walk out. Okay, The mall doesn't affect you. You know why? Because you have you are satisfied with God. So this is the principle we are putting across. It is not that you should not go. You should not do. It is simply a question. Are you content? Hmm. Are you content? Can you walk in and walk out without it affecting your eyes, your mind, your thinking? This thing, you know, and what happens? Are not spending your money? Even if you don't spend money, there's smart people who go to the malls and leave their money behind. But they come back unhappy. Mm-hmm. I wish I had taken my money. <laughs> I wish I had more money. Mm. I mean, in which way does it edify you is my question. Mm. Which way does it edify? Which way do you partake of the holiness of God by going to these places? It's my simple question. How does it? How does it? Does, don't you actually end up either spending money on things which you should not be spending on too, or you don't spend money but you come back with this wish list. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. Either way, you are robbing yourself of joy, God's joy and contentment. Second thing we are talking about, that is a, in that question. This dear child, okay, I'm not upset, okay? Beautiful. Uh, yeah, I, where she says, why can't we go swimming? God made pleasure. I never said you shouldn't go swimming. I don't ever think about, uh, no, actually I learned swimming because I was challenged by a little child in a pool in Singapore. The child said, <laughs> you know what the statement the child made? Said, Daddy PJ, even dogs can swim. <laughs> <laughs> that is the day I learned to swim. <laughs> okay, that was the case. Let me ask you, my issue is not with swimming. Now listen carefully, okay? I am for swimming. <laughs> I wish, I wish <laughs> I could swim. Because I have learned that one of the best exercises for the body swimming. is swimming. And all my five children swim. I envy them. My wife cannot swim. I can swim, manage without drowning. My wife will not get into water. She will sit beside the water and wet her that's all she can do. But my children can swim and the youngest one is the best. Swims like a fish. But let me tell you about swimming. My issue is not with swimming. My issue is with culture. Mm. America is confusing Greek and Roman culture for Christianity. Christianity. Greek and Roman culture exemplified nudity. Mm. Judeo-Christian culture covers. Covers. Mm-hmm. It never exposes one of the first things God does, he covers Adam and Eve and sends them out. Let me ask you this question. How much can leaves cover and how much can skin cover? Okay. This is a joke about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve ate that fruit and they fell. And after that, the Bible says they made fig leaf garments. They made fig leaves garments. And after that, he went and he, then she took the banana leaf. Then she tried another costume with teak leaves. Mm-hmm. And that is how fashion started. 
But Adam continued with fig leaves until God came into the picture. Okay? So that's a joke. But what I'm talking about, what the first thing God does is covers. Nudity creates lust, lust. which leads to other problems. Go back to your own Christian culture. When swimming came in, it was separated hmm. for men and women. Yes. And you know what the ancient bathing suits were like? It covered you. My problem is not with swimming. My problem is with exposure. We are exposing ourselves and we are exposing our children for trouble. We are teaching them that our body, which is the temple of God, is for display. Is for display. You know what, what I told a couple of my young ones, in, including my youngest daughter, I said, you know what, child, let me tell you as a father to you, let me talk to you, I tell, me, I tell you is this. Have you gone to uh, Abitur or, or a meat shop? Let us say a meat shop. Have you gone to the meat shop? Do you see the meat hanging over there? And he cleans it, he takes the fat off, and I mean, it looks so appetizing, mm. red meat hanging over there, right? He say, you know what? You know what that is for? It is for display. It is for sale. Mm. Do you know what the devil does to you by exposing you? He has made you like a meat display hanging on the hook mm. for display. And you know what you are doing? You have these men and women. I'm talking about nudity on both parts. Mm. Mm. They are feasting their eyes on your flesh. This is what the... My issue is not with swimming. My issue is about we should never forget who we are. We are a holy nation. Mm-hmm. We are a holy nation. We should never forget who you are. So, if you are given a choice where you can have swimming with sanctity, go for it. Even you cannot have, like in your family, America, you have your family pool and all that. Go ahead. You're a family. It's a family. Okay? But in public, New beaches and walking around exposing your flesh and look where to where as a nation we have fallen. We're not talking about Gentile nation. Gentile nation these things didn't matter. You need to realize people who have no clue what the Roman and the Greek culture were like. Pseudophilia was the norm. norm. Children were sold for sex by their own parents. Homosexuality was rampant. Every abomination, that's why God told Israel, I am taking you into this country, destroy the people over there, don't imitate them, don't imitate their ways, don't follow their gods, because the land is vomiting them out. If you go that way, the land will vomit you also out. So we should not forget who we are. We should not forget our culture. Mm. Okay? And we should not forget whose we are. That is my issue. When my issue about is parks, when I'm talking about parks, I'm talking about parks which is full of trees and simple slides, everything. Do you know about a child? I've had my children. I've taken them over there. If you put them on the swing... They don't want to get off the swing. You know why? Now they have been gripped by the pleasure. They've been gripped by the pleasure. So you tell them, that's it. That's over. Let's go home. Because you know what? One of the fundamental things we have to teach our children is God gave pleasure and then there is self-control. If there is self-control, it's gone. Pleasure will be king. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So when you are talking about parks abroad, it is all those water rides and this thing and everything and all that. You know what? Ultimately, you become a pleasure-based society. And that's what Greek and Roman cultures were there. So you know, Greek and Roman cultures had these elites with power and the army and millions and millions of slaves serving and working to feed their pleasure. You know what it ultimately leads to? It leads to communism mm. and socialism, which is fake. Again, you have a communist bourgeois, mm. <laughs> like those guys, or whatever his name was, living in a golden palace. And when the people finally brought him down and went into his palace and they saw the opulence in which this communist dictator lived, even which billionaires don't live like they were shocked. Because these things don't work. These things don't work. The kingdom philosophy is completely different. Mm -hmm. Completely different. In Ephesians 4 and verse 28, God puts across completely a different kingdom philosophy. Okay? Mm -hmm. Let him who stole steal no longer. Steal no longer. But let him rather labor, working with his hands, what is good. Meaning, your labor should be good. Mm. Don't be a drug peddler, because that's working. Mm -hmm. Don't be selling alcohol, that's also working. Whatever you do with your hands, choose something that is morally good. Mm. And why do you work? So that you may have something. The entire gamut of work in the kingdom of God turns the world upside down that he may have something to give yeah. him who has need. Yeah. Understand what work is? Yeah. That's not why we work in the world. In the world you do not work. You work to make money and to gain for yourself to hoard by this. And God says, no, I am your father. I will take care of your needs. Seek you first the kingdom of God and my righteousness. I will take care of your needs. Why do you work in the world? Why do God's people work in the world? So that one, you are not a thief. The opposite of stealing is not working. Mm. The opposite of stealing is, is giving. giving away. Mm. So God says, my people are givers. Mm. Why? Because I am a giver. I am a giver. I am not a taker. I am a giver. My people are givers. So he says, ultimately, if you have not been framed and changed by the word and my spirit to become ultimately a giver, you are still a thief. Mm -hmm. You may be a hard worker, but you are a thief. You are hoarding it for yourself. You are hoarding it for yourself. You're and do you know what God no. says? Want to you. James will say, mm. want to you. Mm. Chapter 5. Okay? And words, my this words uh, number has yes. gone. It says here. Yes, you know, I know I found it. Um, five uh, words, one onwards. Mm. I am saying all this has gone. Tall. <laughs> Come now, you rich. Who? Who is he writing to? In the church. Not in the world. These are not for the world. This is for the church. church. You rich. Why should the rich in the church weep, mm. howl for your miseries that are coming upon you? When? On the day of judgment. Mm -hmm. Your riches are corrupted. Your mm -hmm. garments are moth-eaten. Where did you get all these garments? From the shopping mall. Mm -hmm. You went shopping, you went shopping, you went shopping, you shopping. You bought and you bought and you bought and bought. And what is happening? Will you give it away? No. Mm -hmm. I'm giving it for another day. That occasion. Occasion never comes. Mm -hmm. Your gold and silver are corroded. Gold that does not corrode has corroded. Mm -hmm. And the corrosion will be a witness against you. What does it mean? Let me ask you. When does gold corrode? When you have kept it for a long mm -hmm. time. The sheen goes away. He says, you know what? Your gold will stand as witness against you because the gold will say, I was given to you by my father, 
by my creator to be given away. You kept it. It will stand as a witness. And you kept it in your locker for 40 years and you never used when people were dying in the church. God says, I will stand up. They will stand up as a witness against you. That's what it's saying. Against you and you will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last, last days. days. When is Peter writing? 2,000 years ago. He says, the 2,000 years are the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of, of whom? The, the Lord of Shabbat. Ah, the man of war. Mm -hmm. Not the God of peace. Mm -hmm. Not Jehovah Jireh. Not Jehovah Jireh, the giver. It has reached the God of judgment, the God of war. And we have to look at life this way. That's what I said. You need to have sound doctrine. Mm -hmm. You need to have sound doctrine. If our doctrine is not sound, we will get fooled by every new doctrine. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Did you, what did you? It doesn't say you fattened your body. Your heart. Your heart is the problem. Do not love. The world, you love with your heart. Heart are the things in the world. You have condemned, you have murdered the just, and he does not resist you. Because he does not have the power to resist you. Okay? Look, at this is scripture. And when, when I talk about it, I am trying to bring the kingdom into everyday of this thing. If you have that in your heart, go shopping. But don't feast your eyes. Because what you feast in your eyes, will get into your heart. Amen. will get into your heart. And what does it bring? It becomes discontentment or you become a thief. How do you become a thief? Because God says, I gave you provision to give it away. Mm. I told you to work so that you can be a Amen. giver Amen. and not a thief. Because, if, because we need to realize, one, the earth and the fullness belongs to God and everything in it. I was bought with a price. I belong to Him. I belong to Him. So when I work... I'm not working so that I can live. I live because God is my father. But when I'm working and I don't give away a portion of it to take care of my brethren, God says, you know what? You are a thief. But how did I become a thief? Because he says you are like the other father. Mm. Who is that? The devil. Mm. Who is he? A thief. Does he create anything? Mm. Nothing. Has he ever created anything? No. Mm. Has he given anybody anything? No. He's a taker. He's a taker. He has created nothing. Even when he gives something, it is something which God created. Mm. Through God created man. He acts as if he is the owner and gives it away. He is a thief. And don't imitate him. Don't. These are tough things. These are tough things. But this is true doctrine. And the only way, last words for today, and we will close. Okay? First Peter, chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war? Against the soul. Read it carefully. It doesn't war against your body. Mm -hmm. It wars against your soul. soul. He says it will cost you, <coughs> cost you your soul one day. Mm -hmm. It will cost you your soul one day. All the lusts of the body which is connected to the world to the world is fighting against the soul. Mm. I beg you as sojourners. Who are sojourners? 
aliens, mm-hmm. temporary dwellers, and pilgrims in this world abstain from those things because those things are fighting against your world. Because what happens slowly, the principle of pleasure starts getting it. Why do you shop? I feel good. Why do you eat? I feel good. Why do you play? I feel good. Why do you go to all these places? I feel mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I feel good. I feel. You know what? You have substituted feeling for faith mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. You know what? Churches have become that. Mm-hmm. It's called seeker-friendly. Mm-hmm. It's all catering to the feelings of people. Mm-hmm. And then there was this final question over there, final part about that is that God created all these beautiful countries in the world. And so what is the whole problem? Absolutely no problems. But tourism is a modern phenomenon. Mm-hmm. There was nothing called tourism for 6,000 years because nobody traveled. And when people traveled, it was for mm, business. In the business. Okay. It was industry or proselytization. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, you will cross the seas to make a proselyte and make him double the son of Satan like you. He told the Pharisees. Two reasons. The religious proselytization and industry. Merchant ships. These were the, or conquests. There was no tourism. Tourism of the old days was family pic- family picnic. That was tourism. Now tourism is an industry. Hmm. It's a big industry. I'm not saying tourism as an industry industry is per se wrong, no. <coughs> but I think differently. And I could be wrong. I could be right. I think differently. I look at it and think about spending all this money hmm. all this money traveling to a faraway land okay because the land is beautiful i agree and spending it all on tours and feasting your eyes and you will say i'm watching the beauty of god and all you know what the fellow who has never watched the beauty in his backyard kitchen garden never pulled two weeds out never heard the wave woken up early in the morning to hear the bird chirp, is spending through his nose going to Europe to see the Swiss Alps. Okay. When there are people dying in your neighborhood, I'm not a socialist, but I'm a kingdom person. When I read the book of Acts chapter 2, the Bible says the rich who could have gone on tourist trips sold what they have and put it at the feet of the yeah, apostles so that those who had need could be taken care of. I see life that way. And I'm looking at a time and a season when Jesus will come. I will have a new body. You know, I'll be a tourist then. Mm. Then I'll be a tourist. You know why? Because there's nobody hungry. Mm. Nobody naked. Nobody who has not heard the gospel. More than that, heard. everybody has heard the gospel. The king is ruling on Jerusalem. I don't have to pay a pie for anything because my body is new. I can fly from place to place. You know what? That's when I will see the world. Right now, I don't have time because the Bible tells me, redeem the time for the days are hmm. evil. Okay? But if you don't have that zeal, if you don't have the purpose, grow in it. And in the world, travel, do these things and all. But ultimately, you will be satisfied only with God. Hmm. The only thing I like about the trips I was made or I was forced to make are the pictures. Mm, Memories. That's the only thing. Only thing. Other than that, I hold nothing about the places where I went as a family, but I enjoy. And usually when I have gone with my children, I will, if I go, I am on mission, the children are with me, I tell them, take care of my kids, let me, I never go to see anywhere. It's not that I'm not interesting, simply there's no time. Now you don't have to be like a, like they, they call, what they call a party pooper like mm-hmm. me. But I enjoy my mission trips. I, that's the best 
time I enjoy meeting God's people, sitting with them, preaching to them, ministering to them. I enjoy it. For me, that is my vacation. And I come back and sleep for two days. Okay, fine. Okay, But people may not think that way. I've never seen a tourist, a tourist who is satisfied. He's got this itch. <laughs> next year, come back and he's already planning next year. Hmm. Last time we went to Maldives, this time to Seychelles. I'm going to Seychelles, I'm going always. I've never seen a person who enjoys eating out satisfied. He's already planning the next. Hmm. Okay. But th- there's nothing wrong in, in mm. this. The whole idea is where is your heart? Mm. Where is your heart? Will you be upset if this is taken away from you? Yep. That is the whole thing God says. If your health was taken away, will you still worship God? Yep. If your wealth is taken away, will you still worship God? If all your movements are restricted like Paul and Silas, will you still worship God? If you will still worship God, then God will give you all these things because those things don't matter to you. You will never complain about this thing. You won't be interested in these things. Hmm. But protect our hearts because the time is here. The Lord is coming, is near. We don't have time for all this. No, I'm not saying that you should fast seven days a week, sit and no. The fellowship of believers, the company of saints and ask God to give you the zeal to witness to somebody. Amen. Amen. When you witness, you should be authentic. You Mm. cannot look like the world and witness about the kingdom. They will look at you and say, who are you fool? (laughs) You know who that? That was Lot. (laughs) They laughed at him. Mm. And it's not the townspeople. The townspeople were angry. His sons-in-law laughed Mm. at him. What are you talking about judgment? The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Why are you living here among us just like one of us? That's what the church has lost. The church has lost. So now when the church talks about Jesus is coming, when the prosperity preachers talk about Jesus is coming, people laugh at them. Mm. (laughs) Laugh at them. How many must be kidding me? I don't see any zeal or you preparation or anything about the Lord's coming. You are living as if this is. There's no rapture at all. (laughs) He's coming down and ordaining you as the next kings on earth. Your best life. (laughs) Your best life now. (laughs) So we shall close. Pastor Vijay, we shall close with prayer and please go to parks and swim. Mm. Okay, swim. (laughs) And get some, get some exercise. (laughs) Get some exercise. Lose some weight. Eat less. Eat healthy. Lose some weight. I'm telling to the Americans, lose some weight. Mm. Okay, you're the most, understand, you're the most obese nation on earth and it is not good. Mm. It's not. If you got a genetic disorder, it's a different thing. But I'm talking about if it's because of overeating, it is not a good testimony. Mm. But if you're of an older age, you cannot lose weight, don't feel guilty either. Mm. Whether you're overweight or underweight, just offer that body to the Lord. Amen. Let Him use it. But to the young ones, I'm telling mm. you, don't be obese. Mm. It's not a good testimony. It's not a testimony. Because yet you, you, if it obesity is because of binge eating, your testimony about your body is that you have no control over your so, eating. Yes. No control over your eating. This is not a good day. We, we, ultimately, when we go into the world, we want to testify our God, our body, our clothing, okay. our speech, our conversation, the way we work, the way we deal, everything is yes. our witness. You mm-hmm. shall be my witnesses. witnesses. That's our witness. Everything. And don't say God looks at the heart, which is true, but God said man looks outside. No, First yeah. he looks at outside. And then he looks at your message. Mm-hmm. Looks at your message. He looks at outside, and then he looks at inside. And if they don't agree, mm. then 
we become a stumbling block to our own message. Amen? Amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we shall close. Yes. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you once again, Lord. We just want to worship you, Father. Thank you, Father, for speaking to our hearts this evening, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, as many as you love, those you, those you chastise, O oh Lord, so that we may be all partakers of your holiness and your righteousness. Because you are a loving Father and you are interested in our latter end, O oh Lord. I'm not just this temporal gain. We just want to thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is absolutely interested in a true well-being. That is a spiritual and a soul, the well-being of the spirit and the well-being of the soul. We want to thank you. We want to thank you, Lord. And I pray, Father, that all of us, O oh Lord, even those who have heard, O Lord Jesus, will receive it to our, to our hearts, O Lord. We will not be offended. But Lord, we will understand and know that it is our Heavenly Father who is interested in us. And therefore, O Lord Jesus, let your word become life, O Lord Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking to us once again. We commit all of us into your hands, O Lord. And if you tarry to come, and if you choose to give us yet another day in the land of the living, and I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will all be found in your house, on time, prepared, even through the night, to hear from our Heavenly Father once again. We want to thank you. We want to praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.